Hello, and welcome to Shattered Lives, an informed, conversational, cutting-edge radio show in touch with today's issues that impact the lives of crime victims, addressing the aftermath of crime, forging a path for hope, building awareness, and empowering listeners for the future. This is Donna Argor, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you to today's show and to our library of weekly archive shows. It is our goal to make a difference. Um, So I say good morning to everyone nationally. And yes, it is always our goal to make a difference in every way possible. And um, it is very important to me uh, to embrace diversity in every sense of the word. Um, I am a I am a um, homicide survivor, but I also have other affiliations, including a permanent disability, and I work for a state agency for people with disabilities. So this topic is something that I like to feature every so often to try to help get the word out. And um, so I think it's a nice change of taste from what we do. And uh, today we are embracing a guest that we had it seems like uh, five long years ago, and a lot has changed, and that's why we want to do this. Diane Weaver-Dunn, Executive Director of the Connecticut Radio Information System, and it has a lot of good uh, connections with what we do with radio and podcasting and technology, so I think it has, it'll have um, a broad base. So, but before we bring her in for a minute, I just want to say good morning, Delilah. Um, nice, nice to have you. Thank you for doing all the work with this show, and um, I'm excited to do this. Are you? Well, of course I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited to have Diane back because I think, um, you know, since we had her here the last time five years ago, a lot of things have changed with Chris Radio, and which is CRIS. Um, right. So I'm I'm really excited to listen and and learn about all the changes and and what's going on with them. Yes, definitely. So, um, Diane, good morning. Um, Thank you for being part of the Shattered Lives Radio family, and welcome back. Well, thank you so much for having me on as a guest. I'm thrilled to be back and uh, very grateful that you're giving me an opportunity to share more information about some of the new programs that Chris Radio offers people who are unable to read due to any type of disability, uh, including visual impairment, blindness, uh, intellectual uh, learning disability, physical disability, emotional disability, anything that prevents them from reading. Chris Radio is out there trying to bring words to life to make sure that people um, have access to the same information that their friends, family, colleagues enjoy. Absolutely. Do do we have an idea um, statistically in terms of even just in Connecticut how many people we're talking about in all of those disability categories that might be able to benefit? Well, I'll tell you, I um, I know that we have about 50,000 people, I believe, and you probably know this better than me, who are uh, legally blind. Uh, mm-hmm. And then um, we, as far as uh, special education in the schools for children, I understand we serve between 70 to 72,000 children who are identified as having a learning disability. Uh, some of the other areas, uh, for example, if somebody is experiencing um, um, unable to pick up a, 
a book, for example, or a magazine because of medical treatment or um, their medical condition. That is not something we um, specifically like the census data would provide to us. However, we are uh, uh, focusing on making that information, um, our programming content, available to people who are, um, unfortunately, uh, an inpatient at a hospital and give them an alternative to um, accessing information if they're unable to read it. Even temporarily. Even temporarily, that's correct. Right. It can be very isolating if all of a sudden you feel like you're in a cave and you're unable to um, access uh, or read information in detail. So um, Chris Radio uh, aims to uh, look at all these underserved areas. That's what we've been doing for the last uh, seven years, uh, identifying underserved areas and underserved populations and trying to um, reach out and make our service available to them. Yeah, I I think that's amazing. I was just hearing offline that as a child going through so many orthopedic and vocal cord surgeries, and I was in and out of hospitals for years, um, there was a school available at the former Newington Children's Hospital, and went to school there, but I don't know how often I got out of doing homework because of that. But there's so many more things now. I think I was just born in the wrong decade. (laughs) You know, so so I I am so grateful, and I'm hoping that we can share this with, um, you know, authors and and, and teachers and other people that may not otherwise know know about this. And is it possible to have a subscription even, you know, temporarily if you're – if your son breaks both legs and is in the house, I mean, they try to get you out of the Absolutely. house. Absolutely. How, well, how does that part work? Sure. So what we do is uh, we actually stream children's magazines uh, to each patient room at Connecticut Children's Medical Center. And I'm not sure if that was something we had done by the time you and I spoke the last time, but that is available. However, we also have an on-demand service, and we have more than 900 classroom titles now available in our Chris Kids Audio Library. And that does require um, a very modest subscription. It's only $30 a year for unlimited access to those audio versions. And that also includes um, audio versions of the um, exemplars that um, the Connecticut, uh, well, the uh, Common Core State Standards um, has issued. So we also have that available as well uh, among, in that big audio library. And we find that kids really, perhaps in the hospital, they'll listen, but um, otherwise everything is pretty much on, de- on demand. So that's mm-hmm. the direction we went with uh, the children's programming. So we're making it available, actually, our children's programming, to nearly 11,000 kids at this point. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think it's – Go ahead. I just think it's it's great that – for to mention that this is not just an entertainment service, that you're actually offering um, curriculum. Oh, absolutely. Um, and as a matter of fact, we're in, um, oh gosh, I should have, uh, should know this number by now, um, but we started in our schools with four schools in our local town where the, uh, in Windsor where Chris Radio is located, um, and we started introducing our Chris Kids idea there. And um, it happened one day, uh, and, and our entire concept was we're going to stream just award-winning children's magazines. And one day a volunteer came in. He's stuffing envelopes for us, and he's a, he was a retired or is a retired uh, special ed teacher. And he said, you know, you know what you really need to do? You need to record 
um, custom recordings for teachers because if I'm doing Betty Ross next week and I have a unit on Betty Ross, I would like my special ed kids to also have access to that same unit. Can you do that? And I said, of course we could. And that's really how that suggestion um, was the key to creating our Chris Kids for Schools program. So now we're in more than 80 schools, and that includes after-school programs, summer camps, things like that. And um, this has really taken off, and some schools are embracing it far more than other schools But um, because there are other options. There's text-to-speech. Everything we record is recorded by a human narrator, and um, we actually went out and um, had uh, a group from Southern Connecticut State University uh, survey uh, over 200 students and asked them and, and compared a very high-quality text-to-speech uh, version of uh, some type of classroom material, and, this, uh, and then we compared it to human narration. We asked the kids, which one do you like? And only um, we had 83% of the kids selected um, the human narration. Human narration? Yes. Yep. And that is very consistent with some other national um, surveys that have asked adults how they feel. And the adults, it's actually um, lower. Adults, it was about 11% uh, did not mind and preferred text-to-speech, the computerized text-to-speech, whereas, um, uh, and, and then the balance, they, they prefer human narration for that emotion and syntax and you know, just the drama that a human can bring to an audio reading. It's so much more interesting. And then, Diane, don't you have that overlay with, um, you know, when as you get older and as we know for um, at Services for the Blind um, indoors, a, a vast portion of our population is 90 and over with degenerative eye diseases and you also have the hearing impairment. Um, type of things such that um, they're not going to be as tech-savvy or be interested in that or whatnot so that so the human narration or with, within, you know, amplified audio component may be better, correct? That That is correct. And, um, you know, uh, it's interesting that you bring up um, the – we have a number of very, very elderly people. And when I say that, I'm talking about 90 years old and up. Yeah. And, um, but, however, um, a lot of them do have access to um, Wi-Fi, so they are using our Internet radios, um, even though they're they, – and so that allows them to have a high-quality uh, audio uh, reception without needing to go to a computer so that that's also been another advantage. Uh, technology has been our best friend in the last seven years. Yeah, that sounds great. How do, for someone that's just hearing this for the first time, in terms of sort of the the nuts and bolts of the process and and being able to partake of your services, what what would they do? Well, um, first of all, they'd have to apply for. Um, uh, you know, they have to apply for service, and um, the application process is available on our website. So usually um, folks who are unable to access the website, they can e either call us and we can send out an application, or um, they can have a friend or a family member uh, download the application and help them fill it out. And once we get that, we try to turn around um, all applicants 
within two weeks. Uh, and sometimes we offer different types of radios. So some folks are able to listen to um, a broadcast, the old-fashioned broadcast transistor kind of radio with an antenna, and they can also put batteries in it and go in the backyard. But not everywhere in the state are we able to um, transmit in that way with a broadcast uh, frequency. So um, Internet radios actually uh, have become very popular, and so folks need to uh, fill out the application so we can determine what type of radio is best for them. Diane, mm-hmm. can you just explain very briefly what – I know you, you stream through the Internet, but as, as you're broadcasting, where do these broadcasts come from? Is this like a regular – terrestrial radio station, like AM, FM kind of thing? Well, um, so it's similar to how you, um, your frequency, I mean, this podcast right now can be, is heard streaming. Um, Chris Radio does stream, but we also have a sideband frequency. So various uh, commercial and nonprofit radio stations donated what they call like their sideband. It's like, it's not something that a regular radio could find on the dial. Only specialized radios can find it. So we actually do broadcast. We have a regular radio station and, as of Monday, five regional radio stations, uh, studios. Uh, and we do broadcast on the sideband frequencies. But From we the also studios. stream. Yeah. And stream. Yeah. And stream, both. That that is that is so cool. So is in the fifth one is the one you're opening up Monday is in Danbury. It's actually Norwalk. It's in oh, Norwalk. Norwalk. Yeah. Okay. So we're trying to reach, and this is again one of those underserved populations. Uh, we have really been unable to serve the Lower Fairfield County with a um, broadcast frequency. But thanks to internet radios and internet streaming and the new equipment, we are now going to be able to. Uh, provide service and make it available to Lower Fairfield County, and we're really excited about this. Yeah, wow. What's what's it like to have to, um, you know, like set up with, when you have a small amount of people? I don't know. Maybe people are envisioning that this is like a huge nonprofit with like tons of staff, and you're not though. You're very small. So what's it like to, you know, set up shop again in another place? And how many people are involved in in doing that? <laughs> <laughs> well, so we, Chris Radio actually has four full-time people, and mm-hmm. um, and then we have some part-time folks like a part-time engineer, uh, and so the two people were involved was our operations director, Scott Becker, and mm-hmm. our engineer, our part-time engineer, John Galliotto, and what we uh, were, a, we were very fortunate to receive funding for the uh, equipment for, to create a new broadcast a regional studio, and so they've been actually working on it for several months, I would say, um, and also we created our own uh, a unique Norwalk stream as well because there are se- they have several newspapers locally um, in Lower Fairfield County that uh, we do not record up, you know, in Windsor or in New Haven, et cetera. So this is going to uh, really enhance our um, service to residents who need our service in that region. Yeah, well, that's that's wonderful. You, you know, I was uh, uh, sort of googling and, and trying to find out the um, competition, so to speak, or how many states actually offer this, and I could only come up with, I mean, just a quick search about 
half a dozen. Uh, Minnesota was the first one in uh, 1969, I believe, if I'm right. Um, there's something in northeast Georgia and Florida. Um, there's Rise in Albany and something in the Kansas City area. But it doesn't seem like, am I correct, that not all 50 states at all offer this service? Not not at all. And, and, and that's I, I just do want to make a point that uh, Chris Radio, while we have a good four to five hours, maybe four hours of our content, is local every day. Yeah. The balance yeah. is not. It's all national publications, you know, USA Today, uh, New York Times National um, uh, content. We do People, Ma- People Magazine, Oprah, Good Housekeeping, Smithsonian, National Geo. We actually record 50 newspapers and magazines. And so for folks that do, who do not have access to a radio reading service, they can register with Chris Radio and listen to our uh, broadcasts and register on for on-demand as well. So let's say somebody only likes the Smithsonian and the National Geographic, which were actually one of my dad's favorites. Um, they could uh, <laughs> register online for a modest $30 a year, um, and as long as they're eligible, they do have a print disability, they could access um, their content through Chris Radio. So if they're in another state and they can have access to the the, the, the streaming audio uh, content, you know, just like anybody else, right? Correct. That's correct. And uh, they will. we are going to be requiring, we are actually just set up all of our regional um, live streams because, um, so Chris Radio sort of operates like a national network. So we um, provide, in our Windsor Broadcast Center, we provide the vast majority of the content but then people, um, we go live in the morning with uh, sports at 7.30, uh, and um, then we go live with the, the uh, New York Times for about 20 minutes, then local newspapers live. So that's from 7.30 to 9 o'clock. It's all live content. Then we do local obituaries, but then the balance of the day <laughs> yeah. is going to be you know, national content. And so we generate about 14 hours of original content every day, and then we do repeat some of it throughout the day. And that's what makes the 24-7 aspect, like if you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't sleep, you can, like, tune in? Absolutely, absolutely, (laughs) yeah. Let's listen to who died today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, uh, it was was sort of funny because we – recently launched our uh, service at St. Francis Hospital, which is uh, an acute care hospital in Hartford, Connecticut, one of the larger hospitals in uh, the state. They um, admit about uh, 28 to 30,000 inpatients annually. And so when I was about to demonstrate this when we at the launch, what comes up was the obituaries, and I said, well, you know, that's really probably not something the hospital really wanted us to <laughs> demonstrate at the time we're opening up this uh, new service. But yeah, uh, folks do like funny. to know about, you know, who has passed on in their community. So it's it's a popular program. Yeah. Um, how does, just out of curiosity, how does, I mean, if, if you talking about local things, whether it's New Haven Register, Hartford Current, or whatever, and you have X amount of, of airtime um, for local. How do you select the content and know know what to read, or is it up to the discretion of the volunteer, or do you have, like, meetings every week and say, okay, we need to talk about this, about Trump, and this about Malloy, and this about so-and-so? 
Well, actually, so we we actually, um, it, it's not as discretionary as you might think. So we have a program, um, so it's called Front Pages. So we record yep. what's on the front page uh, of the New York Times and the local newspaper, which would be uh, whatever it is in the region. So if it's in Hartford County, it would be the Hartford Current in the morning. In the afternoon, we record uh, the front pages of the New Britain um, Herald and the Journal Inquirer. That's in our area. Not every mm-hmm. um, region has an afternoon paper. So, um, and then when we do, uh, we have an opinion uh, segment. We do the opinion pieces, and, and it's we just read it. You know, um, we're, we're not selecting. Today we're only going to read anti-Trump, or today we're going to read all pro-Trump. <laughs> it's whatever is, whatever the newspapers are running. That's what yeah. we uh, record. So. And oh. as far as the, the the magazines, it's sort of you know you just you always do the cover story and you you just start recording the lead stories is what we do. Uh, I see. Well, very interesting. Um, I know that you you have um, you have a particular program too with regard to museums and and some of the um, the the information you sent was that. Only 11% of people with disabilities visit museums, and that was because they don't have access, right? Or well, can't appreciate. Well, the National Endowment for the Arts uh, conducted um, a, a survey about, uh, you know, how many folks with a disability visit museums, and it's really the numbers, as you just said, 11% is pretty horrible. And... Um, I don't know if they um, went into the reasons why. I mean, I'm, I really am not sure why uh, exactly, but I would assume that they don't feel that the museum has much to offer them in terms of access. So um, that is, you know, pretty much one of the reasons why Chris Radio decided to go into um, providing audible tours uh, for museums. And we based it on a Smithsonian focus group that was convened primarily of people who are blind. And um, these folks basically said, these are the things that we want. We don't want our grandmother's tour because we'll never get out of that museum. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we just want okay. we want to be able to graze a museum similar to the way uh, a lot of people visit museums. They look at a, an exhibit they, you know, and there's so many things to look at, so they'll stop there for a little bit, then they go on to the next one and the next one, or they might skip exhibits. So, um, anyways, they wanted the um, audible tours short and sweet. They wanted to know if there was tactile opportunities, opportunities to touch anything at that exhibit, and they wanted an audio description. And they they wanted their experience somewhat similar to uh, what a non-disabled person would experience. For example, their signage at an exhibit, and usually it's very brief. It could be a few sentences. Um, so that's how we modeled our Chris Access program. So far we're in three museums, and we have three additional museums that we are um, uh, uh, completing in uh, various stages of installation for those. And Can you tell us which museums in, in our state you're in? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. well, first of all, one, our first museum was at Old Sturbridge Village, which is in Sturbridge, Mass. And um, that uh, was our very first, and we just wanted to start piloting various 
types of museums like uh, Living History is Old Sherbert Village. Then we um, went to an aquarium, Mystic uh, Aquarium, and we did um, the New England um, the New England Air Museum. Air so Museum now, at Bradley, yeah. Yep, at Bradley, and so Bradley now, yeah. yep. And then uh, we've recorded uh, content for the New Britain Museum of American Art. We wanted to include an art museum in this consortium, and um, then we're and so we're in almost the final stages of that um, program. And then uh, Mark Twain House and their permanent exhibit. Uh, we are about to record it, and we're in the process of recording. Um, about 17 exhibits for the uh, Connecticut Agricultural Museum at Northwest Park in Windsor. And that actually was um, uh, the project of the local Lions Club. They are actually funding that entire project. So, um, But what's cool about this program and why it's affordable for museums is that a museum does not need to ha um, pay out a lot of money for this project. People come in with their own smartphone devices, um, and I'd say um, uh, the uh, amount of folks who own a smartphone now is uh, the majority, more than 50% of folks um, own a smartphone. So they just flash their uh, phone over a QR code, and they receive immediate information about that particular exhibit. And because the QR code technology is a free app, it's so... Um, sensitive to just you know pointing it in that direction, even if you had low visibility, not necessarily blindness, you know complete blindness, which is a small number of folks with, uh, who are legally blind, you just get in the direction of that QR code. you can hear the audio of the signage, the audio description, and whether there's tactile information so it's very immediate and it's very low cost and we do the recording. We provide the QR codes, and we also make it available on our website. So if people want to go back and listen to um, the information about that exhibit, they can. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I just think this is amazing, and it, you know, it's 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 bridging the gap for for so many people. And you know, there, um, I know when you did a recent um, presentation at our agency, and we're learning. Um, all of the technology available. Um, can you can you give us a sort of a one on one on the different aspects of technology that that you you are using and should should people be I mean older listeners who want to do this I mean a lot of times and and I'm also low tech so I can attest to that one but should you be fearful of oh, the fact that, you know, I didn't know this was available to me, but now some technology, but I'm afraid of it. I mean, is there somebody available there at Chris to help you walk you through this if you want to try something? And oh. what are the main things that people are, are doing in terms of technology that maybe wasn't available when we chatted five years ago? Sure. Well, one of the most popular things, and there are people at Chris that are available to help you out. I mean, we are open uh, 12 hours a day from 7 a.m. till 7 p.m., and then um, and we do have part-time staff that help, um, you know, address any of the concerns that our listeners might have. Um, but one thing that we found after the holidays this past year was that folks were purchasing um, Amazon Alexa. You know, um, it's the Amazon Echo and those remote hands-free devices that you can talk to it and ask it to, you know, play particular music. And so uh -huh. folks, 
So folks were calling us and including some of our longtime listeners and said, look, my kids just got me this Amazon Echo or the Tap or whatever the device is, and I'd like to listen to Chris Radio on it. So we actually took the time to say, wow, how do we get Chris Radio accessible on these uh, hands-free devices? And I can't tell you, these are older people who are calling us. They're in their... Um, and I, I shouldn't say older. I, well, we just call them mature, you know. But they're in their mid-70s, and they are loving it. But they do really? it just absolutely loving it because all they have to do is say, uh, Alexa, play Chris Radio on TuneIn in Windsor, and they, it, it does it. So now what we're doing is we're making sure that it's available at, in all of our regionals so that people can get their regional um, news plus our regular national lineup. But that is, again. That is so um, cool. And it's, oh, so we have instructions. We've printed out instructions. And if people want us to walk them through it. But that is, again, new technology that really became popular how many months ago? You know, seven months ago, and where people were really purchasing it. And they're loving it. And once it's installed, that's, they can listen to Chris Radio and not have to fool around with the dials. You know, the on and off button, and a lot of listeners, that, that's an issue if they, number one, don't have the physical dexterity, or um, they can't see the button, and they hit the wrong buttons, and then they mix up all the dials and stuff like that. So this actually Even has using been, the telephone, that, that happens when I help do uh, intakes for volunteer services, and it's like they can't return a call. You know, and uh, Diane, you are on top of this. Of 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 this, this is so this is so impressive. I'm I'm so glad we're, we're hearing about this. Um, with regard to, um, I know there's another another feature too that you you've tried to embrace people that have grown up in in wartime. Um, the uh, voices of uh, of World War Two, correct? Oh, it's War actually I. World War One, right? World and War it's I. the 100-year centennial um, commemoration of World War One. So um, we had, and you know, all these things happen because people mention something to us. Somebody says, "Boy, I love Chris Radio, but you know, I really love history, and I really like to access historical documents." And we had a very long time wonderful volunteer, Tom Kowacki. And Tom was absolutely uh, so interested in his history. But he, he would come to me and say, I've read all the history books, and he was completely, he was a blind volunteer. Um, he uh, produced two uh, live programs for us every single week for years, like uh, at least a decade or something like that. And mm -hmm. But he would complain about this not having access to historical information. And along at some point, um, he has passed since, but um, there was a National Archives grant opportunity. And so I thought, well, why don't we just propose that we will make historical documents accessible to people who are blind or print, print challenge. And, you know, I mean, people always think of Chris Radio as only serving people who are blind. That's not the case. People with dyslexia and other uh, reading disabilities are unable to access this information as well. Um, so that said, uh, we actually won this grant award, and we uh, partnered with the Connecticut State Library that has a treasure trove of primary source World War I documents, questionnaires and uh, letters to home, uh, newspaper articles. It's just 
fascinating. Um, and also mm-hmm. government documents. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't even tell you how it, it, absolutely intriguing. So based on this one volunteer who said, boy, I'd really like to have access to some more historical information, we created this um, uh, Voices of World War I program over the last year and a half. And uh, we're really very excited about it. It's actually um, some schools are using it, and it's, it's not quite done. It'll be completed in late September. But we have more than 80 documents now already recorded as part of this project. Wow, that it it just is so reflective of the fact that you are so responsive to people's needs, and I think that's great. In fact, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, we did not too long ago um, a, a, a radio podcast with someone who creates Native American history authentic maps in uh, Oklahoma. Remember, uh, Delilah? And, um, you know, just to be able to maybe hook into something like that, I don't know. We could potentially talk about it but it sounds like you know the the world is your oyster here and all you have to do is have the idea and maybe it maybe it could be possible and you know with regard to like multicultural I know that you know you do have some some um, volunteers that are, that do speak Spanish but we in Connecticut and elsewhere we are a melting pot of people so how do we how do we address that well, what we did, and again, you know, we, we've been looking at ways that we could improve our service to underserved populations, and there is a very large uh, number of Spanish-speaking folks, uh, in particular in Hartford and some other regions in the state. And so right. um, we were able to get some funding to help us uh, create a dedicated stream of um, Spanish-language newspapers and magazines. And so right now we're recording nine, and we are hoping to increase it to 11. And um, that has, and what's interesting, which I find surprising, is that we're the only organization in the um, country that it actually has this extensive of a dedicated lineup. Some folks might have, you know, obviously there's Spanish TV, but there's not a Spanish radio reading service that is providing uh, more extensive um, Spanish content. So, uh, um, for example, at St. Francis Hospital, uh, we're streaming two streams, one in English and one in the Spanish language. Uh, So that's one way that we are trying to improve our access. But, you know, I wanted to address you. uh, you, Earlier you mentioned, and we started chatting about other things, about the number of radio reading services nationwide. And unfortunately, um, when I got into um, this organization, and back in 2010, there were about 115 radio reading services in the nation. And I understand um, it had dropped down to maybe 90 and then back to 70. And I'm not quite sure, but I understand it's like maybe 65. And it's really because uh, of a lack of funding. What's happened is a lot of those radio reading services were funded by state government. And... um, over time, and similar to what's happened with Chris Radio, we've lost all our funding from the state. We're hoping that once the new budget is approved here in Connecticut, that funding will come back. But that has been one of the issues, and so um, it even makes it even more important that Chris Radio not only continues to thrive and diversify its funding stream, but also um, make it available to individuals in other states um, where they're um, – 
there is no opportunity to get this type of extensive audio access that's kind of timely and daily. Filling the gap, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and let's talk more about that because I definitely want you to do, to to give people a reality check in terms of what it's like for you now. I mean, all nonprofits, and, and you, of course, financially are struggling. Um, and, and are we, are you, the, the, in like southern New England, are there other, I mean, are you trying to fill the gap for like, you know, uh, Massachusetts, New, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and all of that? And what, what is it like in terms of what you're doing with uh, fundraising and, and those kinds of things? Sure. Well, Massachusetts actually has a very vibrant um, radio reading service, so we are, okay. you know, not worried about them. But Vermont does not have one. And at, at one point, we were actually recording. Um, we were recording their store circulars, and that's another thing. You know, we take it for granted if you're cited that you are going to be able to read uh, a sales flyer about what's on sale at your local Stop and Shop or Big Y or Shoprite. Uh, but that was a big deal. So Vermont's um, Bureau for uh, uh, it's similar to their Besby, their um, Bureau of Education and Services for the Blind. They asked us to record it, and they paid us a fee for service. And it was only made available to Vermont people. Um, but since they even lost funding for that initiative, so uh-huh. uh, it's just not even available for them. But um, our our real focus is really to provide folks in Connecticut. Uh, who are unable to read um, to have this access. However, if folks from other states where they do not have um, the opportunity to access a radio reading service, they're always welcome to uh, register with Chris Radio for our service. They won't be able to get a radio, but they can get it on demand and they can listen to it streaming. So, um, But uh, the reality check with Chris is that at one point the state actually entirely funded uh, Chris Radio back in 1978, and uh, over time we uh, grew because we started um, seeking foundation grants and independent donor grants and the Lions Clubs. So we st- we had a modest amount of diversified funding streams, but um, over the last seven years we have really doubled our uh, diversi- diversification in that manner. Um, I mean, sometimes it's, you know, it's a small amount of money. It could be $200 from this small trust or $500. But it did allow us some independence, and thank goodness, because um, the state had been um, allocating around 100000 They dropped it to 83000 Then um, a year ago, uh, it was 67500 and then they dropped it to 27,000. And while they uh there was like a, an understanding that most nonprofits were going to be cut 10%, we were cut 67%. So, uh, wow. I know. And so right now we're zero. I mean, so I'm hoping and we've been talking to folks explaining that we really operate so efficiently and on a shoestring Losing even thirty thousand dollars—it's just—it it really matters. It's—it's it's been a big hit for us, but um, we keep plugging away. <laughs> well, you do. Can can you let us know um, so, so that if people who are listening, um, whether they have disabilities or not, or someone, and and they just know the value of this service, uh, would like would like to donate, how they do that? 
Sure. So there's uh, a few ways. One is obviously they could write a check and mail it into Chris Radio, C-R-I-S Radio, at and mail it to 315 Windsor Avenue, Windsor, Connecticut, 06095. Or they can go to our website at chrisradio.org, and that's C-R-I-S Radio, all one word, dot org. And they can click the PayPal button. It's a secure, uh, you know, everybody knows about PayPal. It's secure online. And they can make a donation that way as well. And so, um, you know, we are always very grateful. Some people actually sign up for um, donations through their workplace or they provide matching. Um, Every single dollar matters, and um, we appreciate everything that we do get. Absolutely, and these are tax-deductible, correct? Absolutely. We are a 501c3, that's right, and we're registered with the state as a tax-exempt organization. Now, if if funding is not restored, do you just um, anticipate that you will continue going on private donations? Well, well, um, so what we do is uh, on July 1st, we start a brand-new year nonprofit start a Well, for us, we're starting a brand-new year, and so we just have to work harder. Uh, we have a uh, golf tournament coming up in October, and uh, we have our big dining and dancing in the dark gala in April. And what we do is we just try to work harder and try to get more people interested in supporting our organization. Tell, tell people what, what that is like, the dining and dancing in the dark, because I don't think a lot of people know unless they're Sure. Actually, <laughs> they're it, it's, it's, a, it's a real fun uh, fundraiser. We try to mix um, fundraising with fun, I guess you could say, and, uh, and our mission, but we don't uh, hit people over the heads with it. So uh, what it is, we dine in the dark, not blindfolded, but we keep the lights off, and we do ask folks, during the meal for uh, a brief amount of time to uh, eat with their eyes closed, uh, grab a roll, butter a roll, uh, and we just ask them, you know, please, I want you to experience just for 60 seconds what it's like to have a disability and try to do something that, um, you know, a daily activity that most of us just take for granted all the time. And the impact from that, everybody's like, wow, I didn't realize how hard this would be. Well, it is hard. And so we we want to improve the quality of life for other people. So we uh, dine in the dark, and then the lights come up, and we have our own version of Dancing with the Stars. And we ask uh, people from local TV programs and, um, you know, people that are prominent in businesses to come and dance for us, uh, and they get a professional training from Arthur Murray Dance Studios. They're wonderful, and they've donated well over $100,000 in dance lessons uh, to make this a really compelling, fun program. So we have about six uh, celebrities, and they dance. They walk out to the music of Dancing with the Stars, and we have celebrity judges, and it's, it's, it's a boatload of fun. And next year... It's going to be Chris Radio's 40th anniversary, and we're going to wow. launch it with um, all of our former dance champions are coming back, and they're going to compete with each other. And uh, <laughs> so it really is a lot of fun, and our um, one of our big um, supporters is Scott Haney from WFSB, uh, and he always emcees all of our um, events. And uh, last year he actually competed, and he was fabulous. 
but uh, this year he's going to stick with uh, the emceeing. He's not really <laughs> fond of dancing, so oh, well. but he makes it a lot of fun. And we have Joe Fury as one of the judges, uh, and you name it, almost um, uh, a full cast of people from the local TV programs all have are good sports, and they work real hard to entertain. And we also have two uh, volunteers who are not only um, – uh, volunteers, but they're also Chris listeners. They're both um, blind, and they also they don't compete in the contest, but they perform, and it's really poignant um, and uh, compelling to see how wonderful uh, somebody who and is not sighted can actually um, perform a tango or a swing, and uh, they don't have the ability to see the steps. They have to learn it with these. Um, very dedicated dance instructors. So it's really compelling and moving. Exactly. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, it really is. Something. It's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, the, the amount of creativity that you have to do in order to, you know, kind of get people involved in your organization never ceases to amaze in, at any nonprofit. And um, one thing that I know we didn't focus on yet and sort of near and dear to my heart are elderly people because I worked for years as a medical speech-language pathologist with the elderly. And I know that you have a service in, um, in uh, assisted, assisted living um, facilities, and I don't know if they are also at the skilled level. Can you talk a little bit about that? Just to give sure. you a little bit of a time check, too. We have about 14 minutes remaining, okay. I believe, of our show. Sure. Sure. Okay. So uh, before we were able to do streaming um, with Internet radios, we were unable to make our service available at assisted living facilities. And so uh, about five years ago, we um, really were we focused on this. We got funding for it. And so we're in 112 facilities here in um, Connecticut. And actually on Monday, we will be um, making installations at two uh, facilities in Norwalk. So we're really – very grateful for this. Technology has just been amazing. And um, what anecdotally some of the compelling uh, stories that we receive is, for example, if for some reason there's a, an, a failure with the password or something happens where our service isn't available, we uh, usually install them in uh, common area rooms. And um, one day we got a, a pretty uh, – sort of a nervous uh, person calling us from one of the facilities saying, oh, my God, you've got to get here before 5 o'clock because after dinner everybody comes into the common room and they sit around and listen <laughs> to your radio program and we can't get it to go on. We had a power failure. And so all they had to do was reboot and uh, reinsert the uh, passcode. Uh, yeah, but they were like, oh, no. Uh, folks are going to be listening. This is a big deal. This is everybody comes out and socializes and they listen to the radio. And um, you know, maybe for some of those folks, it was back in the day when there was no TV and they sat around a radio. But it was really sort of uh, a common thing that they enjoyed at this particular facility. So um, we're really uh, grateful. I think we are now making it available through these facilities to more than thirteen thousand people who otherwise. Um, did not have this uh, available to them. And, of course, as you know, a lot of folks who are um, very elderly and in some of these homes, um, they have very low vision. It, you know, they're visually impaired at this point. 
So reading a newspaper is really difficult. So they don't get the kind of information that's not available on TV. For example, you don't get on TV obituaries or you don't get the opinion pieces. Uh, you don't get the full article. And we record the full articles. So um, this has been very well received. Yeah, I I think that's a very important component because we are all aging by the minute as we speak. You know, we're not going that's back. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, but I know. Can can you give us a little snapshot in terms of? I think you might have shared a story. How does it um, How does it impact on the the personal, the family level? I mean, um, that's what we're always interested in hearing about the human element, whether we're talking about crime victims or whatnot, and how how these kinds of things really impact. Didn't you have particular people who have said, "Oh, it's, you know, this is truly a lifesaver." Absolutely. So we get we get. Um testimony all the time and and telling us how this has impacted their family member and one quick story and i just let me know about the time here but um we it's were fine. going we on have to, 11 minutes I believe. okay okay awesome so um one of my colleagues uh was out uh talking to a group of teachers and uh we're introducing our chris kids program for schools and the custom recording and he said um is anybody here familiar at all with Chris Radio? And way in the back of the room, a hand goes up, and it's a teacher, and she says, yes, I know all about Chris Radio because it saved my father's life. So uh, he said, oh, wow, what happened? And she said, you know what, for years he lost his vision, and slowly we lost, it seemed like we lost my father. He didn't smile. He didn't talk with us. He was just sad and she said and he had been an avid person always in the know about what was going on in the world and what the economy etc and she said and then one day she said we discovered chris radio and she goes i really don't know how somebody told us about chris radio and she goes i can see him sitting there on the couch was his chris radio next to him and she says at first it didn't come in really good and then we had to tweak it but then it came in good and uh, finally a smile came back on his face and he was listening to his New York Times and to his other newspapers. And she said he came back to life for us. He started talking to us about the world and about the economy and about what was going on. And she said it, it gave us our dad back. And so she said, I'm just so grateful. And when she told us that story, it was so compelling to us that we actually um, – invited her to share that story with a uh, project that the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving was doing. They were recording stories about how nonprofits impacted their families' lives. And so we were really grateful that they selected her story as one of the stories to air on NPR. And uh, it's those kind of stories. Now, we do have surveys, and we conducted a survey this last year, a random survey, and we asked folks, how much did it impact their life? How regularly did they listen? And we were amazed that um, 83% said that it reduced their sense of isolation, that it made a difference in their lives and the quality of their lives, and that um, the vast majority listened to Chris Radio regularly. And um, But those, the story that this teacher told us, that's what really hits you. You know, that makes you, you realize that all this effort 
and all the volunteers that we have, this is why we do what we do. And that that particular it is recorded on your website as well. Uh, and yes. can, can you tell us what I mean besides you know trying to increase your uh, your finances uh, through funding and, and private donations? What are some of your goals for the future, Diane? Well, right now, uh, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to uh, financially we're trying to generate fees for service so that we aren't as dependent on, um, for example, state funding. State funding. Yeah, I mean, we really uh, to survive, we have to do that, and we are. It's not as if we can collaborate with another radio reading service in Connecticut because we are the only ones. We're the only game in the state, you know, as far as doing what we do. So, um, the, for example, that uh, Chris Access program with the um, the museums, that is, you know, we've created a modest fee for service for museums, uh, and so it's a win-win. Museums get to provide audio access at a low cost, and we get to generate some earned revenue. The same thing with our hospital streaming program. We're asking hospitals to chip in, and I mean a very modest fee, but if more and more hospitals, and we uh, receive word that um, two other hospitals want us to um, install our equipment at at their uh, organizations as well to um, stream Chris in their in-house systems. So, again, you know, every time you get another $1,000 of uh, earned revenue, it helps us defray our costs. So that's really, strategically, that's our goal is to, um, you know, generate some of this earned revenue. Even our modest um, on, on-demand subscriptions, it's only $30 a year for an individual, but it matters. You know, it helps us, you know, defray the cost because all of our on-demand content, we have to pay for that. We have to pay for its storage, you know. So um, that that's pretty much That's very cheap. That's very yeah. cheap. It, it really, it's really modest. It's on demand. It's um, uh, unlimited, and so you can listen to anything you want at any time of the day or night. That that's great. And and your website is uh, chrisradio.org. That's correct. C R I S radio.org. And I also want to point out that folks can sure. also download a free mobile app for Android or an iPhone, uh, nice. and um, it's free. And so they can listen to us streaming on it. They can also go uh, access their on-demand content with that, or they can also download our app on a tablet, any mobile device. Wow, that's great. Delilah, you being a more tech person and a, and a publicity person, what are, your, what are your thoughts after listening to all of this? Isn't it impressive? Oh, definitely impressive, and and the way that you've embraced the new technology. I mean, it's difficult to keep up with all of the changes in technology and everything that becomes new, and to get on on the cutting edge of it. Um, I really commend you for that because I think uh, you have to do it, and it's amazing, like you said earlier, Diane, that many of your subscribers are very elderly, but yet they're they're doing, they're doing it. it. They're getting this technology. <laughs> they are. They're getting your product. So, you know, there's there's a lot to be said for the learning curve of technology and and uh, embracing it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And also, too, some of the cool technology is actually easier to use. Uh, for example, the uh, 
you know, a voice-activated, hands-free Alexa. I mean, gee, how how great is that for folks? How that, easy can you get, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's wonderful. Yeah. That that is great, and I just wanted to put it out there that if you have a particular, um, you know, event or project in mind, and if you would like me to help promote it, or if you'd like to come back. Um, you are always welcome to, Diane. Oh, thank you, and I'd love to come back. You know, I I appreciate this opportunity. And uh, for folks that um, know a family member or um, also personally could use uh, and benefit from Chris Radio, please feel free to reach out to us. We'd we'd love to help as many people as we can. What is, yeah, just so that we know, what, what is the actual certification that you have to supply in terms of your disability to be eligible? Well, uh, basically, we have a copyright exemption. So, folks who are um, have a, a print disability, uh, they are eligible for our service, and so um, they have to acknowledge and and sign a document saying that they, uh, in fact, do have a print disability. Um, so, we don't um, require, for example, for students. The student has to, I mean, the teacher has to verify that their students have a print disability, but we don't collect all of that data uh, as long as um, there is a signature on the application and they check it off that, yes, in fact, they do have a disability. Okay, so the person, right, and for uh, people who are legally blind or certificate of legal blindness, a CLB, is that necessary or just one one of us can attest that they are? Right. Well, actually, um, uh, we have uh, paper forms, and, you know, we do ask folks to check it off, but we don't require them to go to their eye doctor or to, um, you know, a social worker. Uh, As long as they attest to it and their signature, we're going to take them on face value. Because let's face it, uh, if you don't need um, an audio service, why would you want it? You know, you'd rather read it because it's quicker to read than it is to listen to somebody talk. That, absolutely. Well, I just wanted to, to get that in so that people didn't think they have to supply all kinds of medical information. No, not at all. No. Well, that's very good to know. So um, I think uh, we're just about out of time. Uh, is there any party comments that you would like to make, Delilah, before we sign off? Well, I just am so happy that Diane has taken the time to come back and, uh, um, you know, get us up to date and keep us up to date. And I look forward, hopefully it won't be another five years before <laughs> before there's something new to uh, tell our listeners. Right. Well, right. the way technology is moving, it's in three months, six months, something's new. But uh, <laughs> right. hopefully we won't wait five years. Right. Well, keep keep us in mind, and I hope you will share our podcast on Chris Radio, Diane. We, we would appreciate I will do that. that. Um, that'd be great. So uh, I am so pleased that we did this because I think it's valuable to many, many people, and it's always nice to have you as part of our satellite family, as we say. So for today, we will be signing off. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Be sure to share this podcast. It's always available anytime on the archives for repeated listening. So everyone, do have a a, a safe and a good weekend until um, until our next podcast next week. Thank you so much, Diane Weaver. Thank you, Delilah. Thank you. Day. You're welcome.